All right, welcome to the podcast, Extraordinary Stories by Ordinary Men. This is a podcast where we tell every ordinary man's extraordinary story, and we want to share it with you. And you. Uh, I'm Brandon. And I'm Chris. Enjoy. Is it your first fire? Is that the story you're telling? It was my first structure fire. First structure fire. Okay. But it was also happened to be the arson fires. Okay. Okay. So that was right. The great you arson fires. Yeah. Dude, that was a that was a crazy night. Wow. Oh, okay. So you you ready to start? I yeah we have. Like we you gotta cut all that from the beginning. But I like the arson fires. That sounded yeah. good. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the arson, the arson fires. Where there's more than one, right? More than there one were three. Night. Three in one night. Oh, we should get started. All right. How are you doing? <laughs> Better than I deserve. Yes, I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> How was Thanksgiving? Uh, it was good. It was good. Um, ate lots of turkey. Saw lots of family. You know, how about you? Doing good, doing good. We, uh, as a podcast, we observed the national holiday. We did, yeah. We did take it off. We took a week off. It was just too busy. Um, every values, core values. Right. Well, family first, you know. Also, we may have not planned to have someone in that <coughs> week. <laughs> totally forgot about it. Um, I was thinking about Thanksgiving and traditions mm-hmm. on the way in. What, uh... What's a, a tradition? Either one that like you do now, that you you do as a family now that you're adult, or like one that you remember as a child. Mm. Uh, taking family pictures. I don't know. Not a, not not a whole a, lot. I have a um, tradition that I always remember. It's from when I was a kid. Um, my grandparents' house were was next is next to A one A on Volano Beach, so. It's a two-lane road, mm-hmm. and they lived literally right off of the street. And we would buy the canned cranberries. Uh, you know, it's just like gelatin, yeah. just jiggles. You literally can shake it out of the can, and it's solid. It's like a solidified gelatin that just jiggles every time you move it. And we put it in the middle of the road, and people fly down that road. And so at like 65 miles an hour, a car would hit this thing when there's like... So my grandparents' side of the family, they have seven kids. So there's seven kids, and all those, all there was probably twenty to thirty people lining A1A, watching as these cars go by, and as it hit like this gelatin can mold, it just like splatter everywhere. I could never eat those growing up. My mom would make those. Oh, the, we never ate them. The the fact that they had the ribs on the side. <laughs> How did she serve it? Did she slice, slice it? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's it weird. Was horrible. We never, we never ate it either. We literally just bought it so that we could put it out there on the. Uh, I had cranberry sauce this just this past Thanksgiving. It was pretty good, but it was like real cranberries. Like you could, it wasn't gelatin at all. It was like made. It was pretty good. <laughs> Our guest today is uh, Nate Evans. Nate, how are you doing this morning? Doing really well. Doing really well. Excellent. Do you have any Thanksgiving trans? Uh, Traditions that you... Uh, or trains. Or trains. That, <laughs> that you uh, partake in as an adult or one that you remember as a kid? Generally, uh, when, well, growing up, we would always play cornhole Thanksgiving. Um, we'd have a big family tournament. Okay. And then if we would do uh, Thanksgiving at the hunting club, we would uh, actually shoot clay pigeons all morning and have a tournament doing that. Mm-hmm. My family's very competitive. So, um, now we just go over to my wife's 
grandmother's house and eat small cheeses and crackers and drink mm. wine for the entire day. That sounds, <laughs> sounds fancy. Yes. It does sound fancy. Yes. It's a whole, it's, uh, it's completely different from when I grew up. I grew up as like, food's ready, you get, you grab a plate and it's a buffet line. Yeah. There it's like a six course meal. Mm. Like you're, they use all the china. Do you wear your dinner coat? <laughs> <laughs> I wear my dinner scarf. Scarf. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Juggles as a bit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, Hannah works with us here at Design Extensions. Um, her family is from a small town near Gainesville, right? Yes. Yeah. A um, little town called High Springs. High Springs, which is really close to where Brandon's wife's family, yes. Melrose. Melrose. Yep. That's where Mutter and Brother live. <laughs> Do you think Mutter and Brother also have a fancy uh, six-course I don't think dinner? so. No? Well, see, my wife's family originated from Jersey, so. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Jersey's known for their fancy dinners. Yeah. And when I think of Jersey, that's what I think of, fancy <laughs> dinners. And I also think of Ooh. lots of gold. Yes. Gold. That's one of the major. Gold lined everything. Oh, like columns sure. and gold. Like in your house, you'd have like these gold faucets. Go- yeah, room. that's yeah. what I think of. Is that true? I don't know. Uh, I'm not very observant. And also, like the same from New Jersey. That's pretty good, isn't <laughs> New Jersey. it? New Jersey. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> so, Cigarettes. Uh, you know, I know Nate uh, from a past career. He's a firefighter currently. Um, that was my career before I dis- joined the team here. Uh, and I think Nate came in to tell us a cool story about um, your first structure fire. Yeah, yeah. And so, real quick, as a firefighter, how many of your calls are actual fires or structure fires? Uh, actual fires, I'd say probably 5%, 5 to 10% of my total call volume has been fires or fire alarms. Um, everything else is either car accidents people stuck in elevators, and then the rest of the 85 to 75% is all medical calls. Hmm. So the actual number of fire-related calls is very minimal. So you're training so long for to get a fire, and then it doesn't happen very yeah. often. So do you put the gear on if you know you're not going to a fire or no? No, no, they, they'll tell you. So like whenever they dispatch you, they'll be like, you know, engine 12, you know, medicist, or injury from a fall, or uh, syncopal episode, which is somebody passing out. Uh-huh. So they kind of prep you before you're getting in the truck. So you're not going there getting dressed for somebody that's, you know, vomiting. Yeah, you don't want your full gear. Well, maybe you do well, want your full you gear. Yeah. <laughs> There's one guy that he works with that I know very well. That if you, if someone starts throwing up, like he can't be like he's like dry heaving and it's like a funny thing where you know he can do literally almost anything except the one thing if, if there smells throw up he dry heaves and he runs away that smells so i was on a call with him the other day and and somebody whatever patient was dry heaved and he started dry heaving <laughs> and and of course you know a, nor, a a good person would have been like it's all right dude like just leave and i was like here let me catch it <laughs> And and him just like me putting my hands underneath him like that <laughs> made him gag bottom, more. Made him gag like so much more. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So <laughs> so uh, let's talk about your first fire. Um, yeah. I guess lead into a little bit. How long were you on the job before you had your first structure? So I was at another department for about eight months, 
before I got the job that I'm at currently. I got there and I was there for about two weeks, so yeah. maybe nine months total that I've, I was on the job. So during those nine months, I never had an actual structure fire, which if you were to think about it, is kind of different than any, you know, it's different than a, a, a brush fire or like a, a fire in the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you kind of train all this time and you never really have one. It's different than a car fire because you've got other people that could be trapped inside or you know, you're worried about other buildings next to it. So, um, yeah, structure fire is different because you have there, like you're saying, there's all kinds of things you have to consider, yeah. you know, things around the building, mm-hmm. the electrical, all the electrical, there, if there's gas. Yeah. And people inside of it, people mm-hmm. not inside of it. Then, and also structure fire brings the most attention. So there's right. more actual firefighters to have to manage as well. So what do you do if there's gas, like, like on-site gas? There's usually a shutoff. Um, at the street, if if it's on like a natural gas system or at if it's a propane tank, there's a shut off on the side of the building. Is it safe even when it's turned off? Uh, unless it burns past the shut off point. But yes, that, as far as the house goes, the house would be safe. Um, I'll just go right into it. It's, it was an arson fire. Yeah. Um, which it wasn't just one; it was three simultaneously. It was supposed to be four, and um. The one that the the house that I was at the the fire that I was fighting adjacent to it, um, he tried to set off a fourth one and it just happened to not catch the debris at the bottom on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that he would set these fires off was using a, a device, um, using like a balloon filled with gasoline and a candle, and so the candle would burn, wear through the balloon, and then the vapors would catch fire and catch the the bottom of the house on fire. Hmm. Um, so were they were they trailers? Were they elevated? So houses? Th- these houses that I um, that we're you know charged to protect are older houses, so they're all elevated. Okay. You know, um, they're all very old houses. So they have like a crawl space underneath them. They all yeah. have pretty much crawl spaces, and they're also balloon frame construction. So there's a void space from the uh, ground floor all the way to the attic. So if a fire gets in the wall, it's pretty much in the attic and if it gets in the attic then like the house is gone wow you know because then you're trying to fight you know two to three floors worth of fire what time did you get the call was it like at night <sighs> it always seem the, the worst calls always seem to come out at 3 30 in the morning i don't know if it was that way for you but for mm-hmm. me at 3 30 in the morning i've had my worst calls yeah they were the worst for me because i was trying to sleep <laughs> it's 3 30 in the morning True. it's not natural True. for you to be up that's the hour you know Three to four. Is it the witching hour? Yes. Some people call it the demon hour. It's the quietest hour. Oh, it's very weird. All the I didn't even know bed. that there was that hour until right. I was at this job. So right. tell us how, obviously now looking back, you know it was arson. But when you yeah. first got the first call, did you know it was arson? Did it come out as multiple fires? Did it come out one at, like one at a time? Or how did you? So initially it came out as just one fire. And, um. It, it came out as, as just one structure fire, and at the station that I'm at, we have an engine and a ladder. So the engine is has three people, and the ladder has four people. And so <clears throat> when this fire came out, um, the engine went first, and then the ladder was behind us. And when we pulled up, because at this point, I've, uh, you know, being on the job nine months, I had gone to a bunch of, you know, false alarms, mm-hmm. or even if they come out as structure fires, it's like an AC unit that's smoky, so it puts you know puts smoke in the throughout the whole structure, 
And so I'm, I'm getting dressed, I'm going through the motions, but at this point in my head, I'm like, this is probably false alarm because at this point it was just kind of learned that majority of them majority are false, of them yeah. are false alarms. And so, um, as we're pulling up the way that our engines are constructed, you sit backwards whenever you're in the back seat. And as I'm kind of putting on my coat or I'm, I'm putting on the shoulder straps for my, um, for my air pack. And I look over and I see fire shooting through the second story roof of this house in the backside. I, I, I was like, it's game time. It's mm-hmm. my adrenaline spiked that just kind of went into do mode. I didn't even really think about it a whole lot. Right. Um, so my Lieutenant at the time, um, he says, uh, grab the long line and go to the other side, go to the far side. And I'm grab the short line when you go to this closer side. At that point, um, the ladder was pulling up behind us, and over the radio they said, uh, Ladder 47, there is reports of another structure fire a block away. So they, okay, so they broke off, and they went to um, the other structure fire. And sure enough, they had a fire Same thing. on the outside, and it was crawling up the outside of this house. And it had, um, luckily for that one, it had burned through a water pipe. So water, it was on fire still, but water was pouring out the other side mm. of the house. Wow. Um, so that stopped the, that probably kept the fire at bay for that one. Did you know at that point, were there people in the houses? So at that point, there were no cars in the driveway. And all we knew is that we need to put this thing out before it got real bad. What I couldn't see is that the other engines from the county and from the city were coming t- to us. And that, engines that were coming from the county were seeing smoke and fire coming from a whole nother part of town. And that one, by the time they got there, was fully involved, and they were just trying to... It was actually so hot, it was catching the other buildings on either side of it on fire, um, just from the ambient heat. My lieutenant says, you know, go uh, grab the long line, go to the other side of the house. So I grab the line, and I'm flaking it out, and I throw it on the ground. I tell my driver I'm ready for water. He sends me water. I'm putting on my mask, and as I'm putting on my mask, I look up, and I see the back side of the house, and I can see the fence that's next to another building, and I happen to look, and that, that building was cedar shingled siding, mm. so I'm looking at that fence, and all of a sudden, I see it just start uh, smoking, which later I now know it's off-gassing. I just see all the steam getting pushed out of it, and I'm like, that's weird. And as I'm, like, putting on my mask, I see the whole fence just combust up in flames. And I'm like, oh, that's really weird. <laughs> and I'm like, this is really bad. And all of a sudden, I see the entire side of that wood, uh, that cedar uh, shingled siding just start to off-gas yeah. as well. I'm like, oh, crap, I better get down there fast. So by that time, I bled off the hose. I put it over my shoulder. And I started running down, like, sprinting down this um, driveway. It was a, It was a dirt driveway. And I get about halfway down, and next thing I know, I'm on my face. And I'm like, what the heck? So like I said, it's 3.30 in the morning. It's dark. They had put a, a tiny little chain across their driveway that I could not see and for people not to park in their driveway. And uh, it nearly took me. I mean, it, it, I hit the ground hard. <laughs> like, I almost knocked myself out. So full force, full gear. Yeah. Hose full of water over yeah. your shoulder. So that's probably 80 to 100 pounds yeah. that, I'm, that I'm running with. Running as fast as you can. Yeah. And then someone just kicked your legs out yeah. in front of you <laughs> face first. 
In the face. Right, in the face. And then so you get up real quick. Yeah, so it's actually probably good. My adrenaline was flying by this point. Right. I couldn't even feel my own face at this point. And um, so I stand up and I unclip the stupid chain and I throw it off to the side. And um, I'm spraying down the side of this house before it catches on fire. Um, and it was so hot that all the water did was just like touch the one of the windows and the windows just shattered. Mm-hmm. And um, by this point, the entire fence was on fire. I put that out. And it ended up getting so hot that it, the electrical box on the side of the, the electrical meter on the side of that house got so hot that it melted everything out. And the only thing that was left was just the metal housing. Um, melted all the wire. And all, all the that. wires, <laughs> all the plastic was gone. Like, just, like, in the atmosphere. Like, it was crazy. Um, so, anyways, the, the hose line wasn't long enough to reach around the house to get to the backside. So, um, I cooled down everything on that side of the house. Me and my lieutenant met back at the front porch. Um, and these these houses, like I said, are really old. So um, a lot of them have like the, the panes in the front, like, you know, chest high to, to the um, top of the door. And a lot of times what we'll do instead of breaking a door in if we can't get in is we'll smash out one of those panes because it's a lot cheaper to replace that than the actual door frame. So sure enough, we get there and we smash out one of the panes and we got to reach in and it's a double sided key deadbolt. (laughs) Like you needed a key from both sides to unlock the door. And so we're like, gosh. So we yell at our driver to bring us our tools. So he brings us uh, the irons. We call them the irons. It's it's an axe and a halligan. And they're just the the tools that we use to to break inside. A halligan's like a big pry bar with a giant, almost like a raptor claw at the end of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like a pry bar, raptor claw added to the top. Yes. It's a pretty cool tool. Precise. Um, yeah, it's it's one of the, we call them the keys to the city because we could break in any door with them. They're pretty cool. Um, so anyways, we, we uh, finally got inside this door and uh, the, the black smoke is just rolling out. I mean, there's probably only six inches from the ground to where the, the smoke starts and it's so black you can't see your hand in front of your face. That was all is all smoke that color or does black smoke mean something other than like so white smoke? I didn't know this before starting, but uh, white smoke represents natural burning stuff. So like all your trees and cotton and stuff like that, if you were to burn that it would burn white. It's all the moisture leaving it. But if you burn synthetic materials um, or like housing materials, it's black, and that black smoke can actually rekindle. Um, oh, it can it can catch because like it's like when you see oil like on TV on fire. Yes. Black or you're burning tires yes. in your backyard. And, it, and if that smoke gets hot enough, it can actually catch back on fire if it has the right amount of oxygen. Wow. Fire needs three things: it needs um, heat, fuel, and oxygen. And if it has all those three things at the right mixture it can reignite. Um, and that's what's so dangerous uh, for firefighters when they go in. And, and that's actually what's so much dangerous today rather than, you know, 30, 40 years ago is that all of the, you know, rugs, couches, um, curtains, they're all made out of synthetic material, which burns faster and it burns hotter. Mm-hmm. So now by the time that we get to the fire, that thing is ripping hot and, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it was like by the time they got there, it was just starting to get going. And they had time, they had more time to put it out. 
So there's a lot of this black smoke as soon as you get Yes, in. so this black smoke, it's it's rolling out of the front door, and um, you can't, you can't, uh, so what, 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 basically one of the tactics to use is to cool down the room before you go in, cool down all that, the thermal layer or the, the smoke, essentially, before you go in so it doesn't reignite. So we take the hose and we blow in all that, uh, blow the water in there and cool down the thermal layer before we go in. Well, what we didn't know, or what we couldn't see, is that there was already fire in all the walls from the balloon frame construction. Um, and uh, what we didn't know as well was that the back half of the house was about to collapse. So we made it in the, we made it in the room about five feet. And like I said, this room was so hot, it was so thick with smoke, I couldn't see my hand, like, unless it was on my mask. Um, and... We made it in the room about five feet, and we opened up that nozzle to shoot towards the back of the house. Well, like I said, if, if the fire has those three things, the oxygen, heat, and fuel, um, it can light off everything. And, it, and at that point, we opened up the nozzle. It sucked in oxygen from outside. The room had already been heated up from the, uh, from the fire in the walls. And the, the gas, that, or the, the smoke that was in the room, was... Uh, had enough material in it to catch on fire. As we opened up the nozzle, the back half of the house collapsed and everything on the fire, everything in the room caught on fire at the same time while we were inside of it about five feet. Um, that's called a flashover. And uh, as I, I could see it crawling out of the windowsill that was next to me, I didn't know there was a windowsill next to me because it was that thick with smoke. But as soon as I saw the fire come, I could see because it was burning off all the gas. I could see it starting to crawl underneath me and start to crawl over top of me. And my lieutenant, who was in front of me, saw it crawling towards him at a rapid pace. So as I grabbed him to, to kind of fall out the door, he was already, like, pushing me because he saw it coming at the same time. And as we were falling out of the front door, uh, the, the, a huge fireball just, you know, shot out of the front door over top of us. Cool. And uh, we were almost stuck inside. And... Um, our, our gear, you know, isn't rated for that amount of heat. Yeah. You know, even if you have your gear on, you're, you're dead at that point. You're burned up. Um, so it, it, it just so happened to... It's just like a movie. It, it felt like a movie. <laughs> oh, so, so when, when that happened, the back half of the house collapses. And come to find out that that, how, that back half of the house was burning for about 30 minutes before we got there. Well, it only takes about 10 minutes for a fire to be fully involved. So by that point, it was, it was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the back half of the house collapsed. Well, what we didn't know is that there was a scuba dive tank underneath the stairway back there. And so whenever everything collapsed down on it, the scuba dive tank exploded. So it sounded like a cannon going off right next to your head, too. Mm. I didn't know what happened. And, um, I'm disoriented. My adrenaline is like, I've never, like, I, my heart rate must have been in the 200s. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, car alarms were going off. Uh, you so know. So you're on the porch or the front yard at this point? We're the, we're, we're, I'm still on the porch at this point. And I've got the hose line and I don't even know what to do. My lieutenant's like, stay here. I'm going to check the rest of the house. So he did another walk around. He, he did a 360. He's like, and he gets back to me. He's like, the back half of the house is collapsed. We could still save the rest of the house. So I'm like, all right, let's do it. So we go back in the house. By this point, um, the fire is what we call vented. Um, so like, it's not gonna, do, it's not gonna flash over again. Um, 
So we go back in the house, we open up, you know, we're putting out fires. Um, funny story, I actually, I wear glasses and um, I had forgotten my spectacle kit that goes inside my mask. I forgot to put it back in. So this whole fire I'm doing like with little to no vision. <laughs> That's probably why you didn't see the chain. <clears throat> probably yeah, why. Yeah. That's actually probably why. <laughs> we'll just go with that story. Yes. Um, so we're, so we're trying, he's like, where's the staircase at? Cause at this point we didn't know that the staircase was on the back half of the house. We're just trying to get to the second to floor. To the top, yeah. Yeah. And so he's like, where's the staircase at? And I'm like squinting and looking all around and, um, I see like a kind of a black spot that looked kind of like a staircase. And I was like, I think that's it over there. He walks into it and it was a burnt up desk and he trips <laughs> over and just like, like starts floundering around and he's like stuck on his back. There's papers flying. It was awesome. Um, so anyways, we, we come to find out, you know, there's, there's no staircase to get to the second floor. We get a ladder, we go to the second floor, we get up top and I'm on the hose line still. And, uh, they're telling me they're, I'm putting out spot fires. So basically what that means is that they're opening up the walls. They're using a tick, which is a thermal imaging camera. It tells you where the, the, um, the heat signatures are. So if there's fire hidden inside of a wall, which is very common in the balloon frame construction, we basically take the axe, take a saw, take the halligan, rip it open, um, and then we, you know, spray water in there to put it out, uh, which is crazy because in a lot of these older homes, they used, um, what's the, the, the wood that goes over top of each other, the ship, no, not ship lap, lath, siding? Lap and something. I think ship lap's right. Is ship lap right? Anyways, the, the lath, I think it's lath. Gosh, anyways, it's the tiny little wooden boards that go across, and then they would uh, put the metal over it, and then they the, the metal mesh, and then they would plaster over it. Oh, okay. So then to open up a wall like that takes way longer. Yeah, you than, were telling me about that yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, by the time you're done, your shoulders are on fire. And uh, typically, how many people do you have on a fire scene, like a, a structure fire like that? Um, and then, were, so were you guys... In, like shorthanded and having to do a lot oh, more okay. work so, because of all the other fires? Yes. So normally you kind of go through one bottle and you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm putting out these spot fires. And a bottle's how long? A bottle, I mean, working like as hard as I was is about 20, 20 to 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, going full speed, adrenaline, dumping, like that's a lot of time. Right. And Because um, it's... If I remember correctly, it's like 4,500 PSI yes. tank that you're wearing on your back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, 4,500 PSI tank. So um, they call it a 45-minute bottle. It's not. I mean, if it's a 45-minute bottle if you're just sitting in a recliner, mm-hmm. you know, watching TV. <laughs> but it's if you're actually working, it's, it's like about 25 minutes. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, so my bell, so as I'm putting out these spot fires, my bell starts ringing and going off. And they're like, uh, you know, do you need any relief? And at that point, I don't see many people in the yard. And the engine company that we had there with us left to go fight the one that was uh, so hot. It was, you know, catching the other house on fire. Um, So I I saw that we were like short staffed and I was like, nah, throw me another bottle. in." And so my driver came up, climbed up the ladder and changed the bottle right there with me on the balcony. Um, and then I just went back to work and, um, it was so crazy, you know, putting out those spot fires in there because basically the way that this balcony worked is that it was like a half wraparound 
porch on the second floor. So I, and there was two doors. So I'd go in one door, put it out, and I didn't have enough hose line to reach through the house to go to the other door. So I'd have to pull the hose line all the way back out, walk back around, and go in the other door. And the, these hose lines, they're not easy to, to bend and, and drag. Mm. Um, so I'm, I probably had to do that probably 10 times. <laughs> and um, I'm on my second bottle. And I feel like we're in an oven. I am on, like, I am hot. Like, I remember just being like... Yeah, don't I, say you're on fire, because that's the no, wrong thing to that's say. That's the wrong thing. Yeah. You're going to get squirted with the hose if you say that. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember just, you know, having to fight through that, that just feeling like I'm being cooked. Um, and and I'm not really understanding why. I mean, now I know why. The, the gear doesn't let heat out either. So all the, the, the body heat that I'm generating, the heat's having to stay in, and the heat that I'm feeling... <clears throat> from ambient temperature I'm, I'm also feeling. So uh, come to find out, there was fire over our heads the entire time we're doing all that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No one pointed that tick up at no, all? No. I, well, I think the, <laughs> the smoke was so thick that they assumed it was just smoke, the smoke that was that hot. So huh. all of a sudden we start pulling the ceiling down, and there's flames over our heads. I'm like, no wonder I feel like I'm in an oven. I am in an oven. I'm literally in an oven. So, of course, I'm spraying the water, knocking down all the drywall, and... Uh, yeah, I, mean, I was there. We were there from nine. Or I'm sorry, from three thirty in the morning until ten o'clock in the morning. That's crazy. Um, and that, so, like in the arson, was anyone like injured during those things? And did they catch the guy? Or you know? Um. Oh, real quick before I forget, the being cooked part. Uh-huh. I actually took my gloves off at the end, and um, because my hands were hurting every time I was picking stuff up, and I took my gloves off, and I was like. Oh, well, that might be why. All the cuticles were cooked away from my nail beds. And so, like, my hands were literally, like, looked like they had been sitting in a crock pot. Yeah, you steaming them up real nice. Yeah, steaming them up. (laughs) Because that's what they were getting. Yeah. Um, So, back to your question about the uh, arsonist. Uh, Yeah, so he... um, No injuries or anything from the fires? No, okay, okay. So, yes, he, every time he set a fire off, it was at an unoccupied house, mm-hmm. and that unoccupied house also was, it was like, a, every one of the houses were vacation houses, so he knew that nobody was home. I don't hmm. think he wanted to hurt anybody. I think he was just like a true arsonist, and the pathology of that is like, you just want to see stuff burn. Right. Um, and... Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. I wonder, does that mean that he was, he was probably by there somewhere watching, he, right? He had to be watching one of them, yeah. you know? Um, that's crazy. Also, how do you know their vacation houses? Inside Scoop. This sounds like a TV show. Yeah, I know. So, uh, allegedly, they never caught the guy that started the fires really? in St. Augustine. Allegedly. But they caught a guy with the exact same MO um, somewhere else. Why do you think they would want to allegedly say they haven't caught him? Because he never admitted to these. Because if he admitted uh, to these, then it would be a longer sentence. Uh, but they couldn't pin they it couldn't on pin him. pin it on him. Right. But did he use similar devices? Is I that... think it was the exact same device or uh, something like that. It's mm. probably a common arson device. I would imagine. Yeah. I would imagine it's there's not many different ones to... Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. That's funny. Yeah, that sounded... Uh, I never thought about that. I've, all I've ever thought about is how hard it is to start a fire, like when when you're creating conditions that are optimal, mm-hmm. like at a, in a campground. Yeah, <laughs> and how hard. I literally have a fire starting log and I can't get yeah. this dang thing yeah. to light up. 
But they dipped this in water before <laughs> they gave it to me? Yeah, and so I, I, I would probably be ineffective. Not arsonist. a very effective arsonist. No, well, that's probably a good thing, you know. We'll rule you out. Or you're just saying that now, so that way... <laughs> to throw us off of your trail. Yeah. You're pretty, pretty smart. Wow. That's awesome. I uh, wasn't my first fire, but one fire I was on, I there's uh, this big six-inch hose that feeds from the hydrants to the engines, and that's what feeds all the hoses. And uh, they're often known to get these kinks in them. And so if you fill up, if you catch the hydrant, what is what they call it, meaning you're connecting the hose and feeding water, then you're responsible for going through and making sure there's no kinks. Well, there's a kink in this one particular hose, and I, they, they teach you, because there's so much pressure, to just kind of kick it. And if you kick it, it will release enough of that pressure to push itself out. Well, I was kicking the thing, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't budge. So I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to pick that thing up and pull the, <laughs> pull the kink out of it. So as soon as I picked it up, I didn't pick it up high, but I picked up just a little bit, enough to change where the pressure was, and it released the kink. And it literally threw me across the street, <laughs> full gear, and I'm laying on my on my back like a turtle. <laughs> and the only thing I could think of was like, "Holy crap! I hope no one sees this." And I got it real fast, <laughs> ran over. And I was like, "All right, I'm here. I'm back." And no one, I don't think anyone That's saw it. Actually, I think someone saw it after the fact, and they were like, "Hey, what happened over on that?" I was like, no, there's nothing. Don't worry about it. Everything's good. You got your water. Don't worry about it. Tied my boot. I was just, you know, testing out. I had a question. When you said your lieutenant mentioned you guys could, like, save the house, at what point do you, if the structure isn't going to be a danger to other people or other structures, do you let something just burn down, or do you ever do that? Because I'm just thinking, when you tell me the story, I was thinking, like, what's to save? Um... So we actually did save enough of the house to where they can still like really? remodel it. Yeah. Wow. Um, so like the three main goals in firefighting is to uh, life safety, incident stabilization, and property management or property, you know, saving someone's property. Mm. Um, if we can do all three of them, great. But um, if the other two aren't, or if the first one's kind of not in the wheelhouse then we, we need to try to save somebody's property like it is somebody's stuff, you know. It's not, it, it, it's kind of crazy because everything that I, we try to do, it's, um, you know, even going to a medical call, it's like, well, this lady's, there's nothing wrong with her. It's like, well, she may just be lonely, but if this was my grandma, she'd probably be lonely too. So let's just sit down and talk with her yeah. and actually see what's going on. Is there ever a time when you would assess the risk of like you or like the crew? Oh, yeah. say, like, yeah. it's not worth... It's kind of one of those things that you when you see it, you know it. You, when you see something that's too far gone, you're like, man, we're just going to go defensive on this. But very rarely do we ever go defensive. Um, yeah, we were just at it one the other day. I mean, we, we put it out so fast that it was before any other units got there we had it put out, just because we know how bad it can be if we're, we're lazy on something, you know, if we're, or if we're hesitant. Yeah, I don't know if I was a new guy and the whole, you know, living room exploded... I think that would be my son. I'll just lay. I'm just going to lay here on the porch for a while. <laughs> Let's reassess. Because <laughs> when you heard that, that uh, scuba tank explode, you guys, did you guys think there was like an actual explosion associated with it? We didn't know. Like, it, it was, everything happened so fast, we just, we didn't even know it was happening. Wow. Um, I mean, other than like, we 
we just know that we barely lived, you know. Uh, what's funny is the new guys have to wear yellow helmets, and um, my yellow helmet was a bit tinged after that, <laughs> and so they called me they called me popcorn because it was burnt. Because it was burnt. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. And so uh, I still have that helmet. Firefighters love to make nicknames. They love it. It's <laughs> a weird thing. It's a weird thing. And they just kind of they either stick or they don't. Yeah. Um, that one didn't really stick. What was your nickname? I can't say it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was funny. It, it, it I'll have to tell you. I'll have to tell you good off plan, the uh, off air. <laughs> uh, well, that was a cool story, man. Appreciate yeah, your time. Thanks for coming yeah. in. Uh, that was, yeah, I think that's another amazing story. Oh, sorry, extraordinary story. Dang it, I got to get that right. If, or I'm gonna have to change the name. Uh, <laughs> or just do it a slash. Slash, yeah. yeah. Uh, extraordinary slash. Never mind. No smoking over the extraordinary. Amazing. All right. Pretty cool. Thanks, Nate. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Nate. Take care, guys. Bye. (laughs)